Brendan O'Brien, Esquire. I'm not. I'm not an Esquire, <laughs> but, but I wish. And I'm Dame Rena Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two. There's two clones of Rena right now, and there is Jordan and Brendan. Now let's let, let's get started with the show. We're uh, your hosts here at Sessions with Mary Jane, and we are with Mary Jane, uh, so to speak. And we have on a very wonderful guest. Uh, he's an old friend of mine um, who is very multi-talented. He uh, is an artist in many different senses. But I think primarily he'd say that he's a writer, filmmaker, comedian, uh, Brian Fairbanks. Good to be here with you three wonderful people. Where, where are you coming at us from? Uh, I'm from New Orleans, where I have lived for the past couple of years uh, since I moved from New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good to be here. That's an adjustment. Do you miss New York? Yeah. Or you're like, no, never. You know, I miss New York once in a while when something really cool happens and it's all like, uh, I don't know, Monty Python doing their final show Mm. at the Beacon. Mm. It's like, that's it. That's the only show on the tour. (laughs) It's either you live in New York or fly in or whatever. That makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it, it it really doesn't because once in a while I'll hear about something going on in New York. And I'm like, oh, I'm really glad I'm not there. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's always 30 degrees colder in New York, no matter what time of year it is. So it's just like, yeah. great. I'm yeah. really glad it's only like, it's cold, but it was 60 today, you know. Yeah. That's oh. cold. Wow. So We've gotten I'm snow. Pretty- <laughs> I wish I had 60s in the 60 degree weather yeah all perspective yeah it's all perspective yeah no snow thank you you can keep that (laughs) well snow or not Brian uh we have a challenge for you today uh just so that you know okay yeah and so you know what we're gonna give this challenge to you and you answer the so we're gonna give you a list and you can name items on this list at any point during the podcast you interrupt in the middle of someone getting emotional about their parents if you have to you send this item on the list and your list today is to name as many magazines as you can Wow. Yeah. All right. Yes. Of all the magazine all right. publications, you say them, we write them down, we uh, keep track of them throughout the course of the podcast. We'll fact check you so we know if you're making one up. <laughs> all right. So, uh, like, Southern Stud Weekly is not real. You're going to fact check that. Yeah, we'll know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hope it is. Yes. I hope it is real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is a magazine called that. You just probably won't find it online. Just at the truck stop. No, <laughs> yeah. there, is, there is a Southern Stud Welding Company, though. So no. it's close, Brian, but not today. We're going to find out if they have a magazine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They do. We have to wow. subscribe now. Yeah. Do you have the first four people to sign up for it. <laughs> subscribe. Do you have a favorite magazine or at least like a, a magazine that you remember like reading at some point in your life that you really enjoyed? Uh, yes, I have read a magazine in my life, and I enjoyed it. Um, uh, right next to my screen, I don't know if it's allowed to. It's this is not this is not set up. I just have you can't look it up. Garden and Gun magazine next to me. Oh my god! For the people who don't have uh, video, because nobody yes. has video, this is an audio <laughs> podcast. That is a what was that? Garden, Garden and Gun. Garden and Gun. It's. 
real. I had to hold it up to the camera so that you would see I did not make this magazine up, yes. nor do I like make up the subscription. It I sounds like magazine. hardcore stay-at-home mom reading. <laughs> Garden and gun. Yes. It really should be, but like surprisingly it covers a very diverse area like it's not this the cover is about homes that are in like the caribbean or something Mm -hmm. and then it talks about bird dogs in north carolina a cabin in tennessee and how to make the perfect rum old-fashioned i mean it's very weird magazine (laughs) wow yeah where are the guns though Oh, there's guns. It's usually just about hunting, though, which is really lame, you know? Yeah. Like cool guns. Yeah. Wait, how long have you been a subscriber to Gardening Gun Magazine? Um, I think for a couple years now, when I moved back to New Orleans, I would see it at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like, it was actually by the checkout counter. And I was like, this can't. No, come on. This is a prank. And it's a really nice magazine. It's really glossy. There's a lot of like high quality, um, just beautiful black and white images of dogs <laughs> and uh, boats and fish and alcohol, which is always something to like, you know, drool over. So ah. and checking it out, actually. Noted. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. That's the thing, like a grocery store checkouts are probably the best place to sell magazines because it's just like you literally, I mean, actually you can look at your phone, but for so long you like would stand, you stand there and then you would just see the images that would catch your eye as you waited to ring your food up. That's where you got all mm-hmm. the celebrity gossip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. oh, they're doing what? Who broke up with who? Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. devotes the uh, someone's pregnant, and then it's all fake. But yeah. how many people did? How many people did drunk Ben Affleck run over with his SUV? <laughs> all of them. That's the only way you can find out is looking at the cover of National Enquirer. Yeah, so. go to page yeah. thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, um, where where does I have to ask? Because I just your last name, Mister mm. Fabings. Where where is oh. what is. What is your origin? <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I originated from my mother. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna ask this question. It's just happening. The words are out of my mouth. It's too late. Let me tell you about how pregnancy works. Um, oh yes, good because I'm a woman and I just know. Uh, well, so uh, if like the, it's actually really not that exciting of a story, but. Um, my mother's side of the family is Italian and Canadian, and my father's side of the family is English and a little Italian, but the name Fairbanks obviously is as not as fucking British as you can get. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it sounds like you should be a but, character in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only thing the only time the name Fairbanks pops up in pop culture is uh, in two cases. One the Dear White People movie, and I'm not sure the show, but the dean of the college is, I think, a black guy named Dean Fairbanks, which is hilarious to me, because I'm pretty sure there are no black people with the last name. (laughs) I would love to meet them, because we're all fucking boring white people who have, like, you know... English ancestors, right? Like, no, like, I could do a 23andMe and it would be the most boring shit you've ever read. <laughs> um, I'd love to meet someone I'm related to who doesn't, like, have exactly the same fucking background. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is that the Jennifer Beals character on the L Word 
is named Dana Fairbanks, which is my dad's name. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he's famous. So I tried watching that show with a friend of mine, and I was like, no, no, it's too weird. You have to turn it off. They keep talking about Dana Fairbanks. It's like... They're talking about my dad, but it's this woman named Jennifer, you know, that Jennifer Beals plays. Too weird. Too weird, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How big is the Fairbanks family? Um, it's, it's pretty big because, uh, I think there have been Fairbankses in the U S especially for, you know, since the 1600s, um, I'm sort of distantly related to Douglas Fairbanks, Oh, that's cool. Uh, senior and junior, yeah, who started United Artists with Charlie Chaplin and his Wait, wife. Wait, no. Um, that's cool. So that's like my cool celeb family that's, member connection. Yeah, that's super cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I don't know any of those people, you know. <laughs> They're like really distant. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's. Uh, I, I like to, you know, put it on the resume, you know, try to get <laughs> it. <laughs> just kidding nobody cares yeah. um yeah <laughs> my family yeah. did you inherit any of the sword fighting genes from douglas Fairbanks? <laughs> yeah, no. i'm afraid of heights so i don't want to go up on the ship's mast <laughs> the john belushi thing in, in uh animal house where he like goes down the mast with the sword oh, yeah. <laughs> no thank you cannot do that yeah um, I, I also Sorry. have to ask, um, how do you and Jordan know each other? How did you guys meet? Because I always knew of you, and finally we're, you know, virtually meeting you and seeing all mm-hmm. of your stuff yeah. on social media. But then, like, yeah, what is the tell the tale? Well, Jordan and I have a special relationship born of a, a dark alley in a in a crack house. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> True, though? Like, in the the Barony neighborhood, the Bywater, yeah. St. Rock neighborhood of New Orleans, yeah, where we used to do improvisational comedy together. Uh, we were not in the same. Yes, I think you were you were in the class before or after me, or something like that. So we were basically well, at the you same were in level. A, I think. I think yeah. I think it was like the same night. It was just you had like the six o'clock, and I had the eight o'clock class, or something like that. <laughs> Um, and so many of those people, your, your class is like a legendary class though, right? Yeah. Well, people, we, I, the people that it, are in that class are, like, there are people who man. like at that time, like people were talking about how Benji had just released an album. So one person in the class had released an album, then another kid in the class or another person in the class, uh, was just on, uh, like Theo was in that class. Oh. Theo Crane was in that class. And then he was on Underground, yeah. I think, at that time where he was about to be on Underground. Yeah. And then Rob Kirkovich was mm-hmm. also in that exactly. class. And he's like just a regular on NCIS, the uh, yeah. the nerd guy. One of the, one and of the every, every one of those shows is a nerd show. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those guys like have gone on to big things. and oh. uh, And of course yourself. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> and also, there, there's that guy, uh, Bart. Bart was in my class as well. There was another actor, and I saw him on a set, and, like, it was during COVID time, so I couldn't really talk to him, but he was also on. Well, wherever you are, Bart. Class, yeah. oh, shout out to you, Bart. But he's, Bart. he's getting work. He's working. Bart. He's in some, like, uh, reenactment show. Yeah, we'll see him eventually. Check, check his IMDb. 
<laughs> I'm not, not going to give his last name because he, he didn't respond to my Facebook uh, message. But. So no one's going to know. People are going to search IMDb for just Bart. Yeah. But there's so many that will they'll have no idea. Yeah, all right. Go through all the Barts today. <laughs> Ooh, Bart Fairbanks. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, are, you a, do you, are you a fan of the improv? And do you like yeah, how did you get into that? Um, I am... Well... This is the funny thing is that a couple of people I know were in a musical improv competition thing mm. where it was like a couple of teams doing musical improv at this theater in New Orleans. And I went and I was like, wow, I can't sing <laughs> or dance. I have no idea like a rhythm or melody, um, but I could totally do this. <laughs> and, uh, and so I signed up for a class and it, the theater was just like maybe a block and a half away from my house at the time. So it just, it seemed like a thing to do. Mm. Um, and I met so many awesome people through it that I kind of got sucked into doing it more and like being in shows. Um, and I am not good. Like Jordan's really like that. All kidding aside, Jordan was phenomenal at it like oh, right you. from the beginning <laughs> no 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 i remember the, like the first show the other like we saw each other's shows um because we were the same night or whatever um and jordan's show like his class was absolutely phenomenal and we were like oh oh we, <laughs> we suck at this <laughs> we thought we were really funny and then like these guys come on and it was just like effortless um, come to find out they're like half of them are professional actors like, you know, making like a million dollars a year on a major cbs tv show I'm like oh okay uh well now i don't feel so bad uh about it but um yeah i've just got like sucked into the cult man that's how it works right that's how it goes, yeah. we all For just sure. get sucked into the comedy cult that's how all three of us met. so yeah that's how it goes. yeah we're a cult friendship yeah we Did you you guys get sucked in. You guys are your own cult, though, so it's, you know, yeah. no one's telling you what to do. Yeah, honestly, awesome. there's many sects of cults these days. It's so easy to make a cult. Right. It's like actually one of the, probably one of the easiest things you could start up if you really want to. You just to. have to believe. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it it's a cult of yourself, cult of personality, that's whatever. Right. So uh, what are you uh, up to today? What are you, because I know like a lot before oh, yeah. we started recording... <laughs> you gave your answer which is just like the basic pandemic answer <laughs> like yeah everything going sorry <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> i'm saying like very relatable i'll agree like it's like you don't have to really i mean i want to you to elaborate for the folks at home but you don't really have to like explain your feeling anymore there's just so much of just stuff going on and like, I mean, it's just an abnormal world right now. Everybody being affected by mm -hmm. different stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, different things going on. But what is, um, yes, what are you, like, focusing on now? And what is going on now? Like, share with people what you're working on. All right. So uh, today was one of the biggest days of my life. And that's why I didn't want to say anything right at the top. Because I was just like, it, the whole conversation is going to be sidetracked when you start talking about the stuff. Um, but here we go. <laughs> no go. Fuck it. Um, here, so basically what's going on is that I am trying to sell my second book. My first book is done. It's ready, ready to come out, but it's not out for a couple months. Um, Wait, and, and the first book title? I, 
the first book is going to be called Wizards. Uh, David Duke, uh, The Rise of the Far Right and America's Wildest Election is the full title oh. that apparently was approved. So um, that's the title that they went with. Uh, and that's coming out in, I want to say, September or October, just before the midterms. Cool. Um, that's the idea, at least. Uh, yeah, exactly. So then uh, I've been writing this book about country music for the past couple months. And I got an agent with a pitch that I wrote up. And today I had to have a bunch of Zoom calls with publishers to basically like close the deal with all these people. Um, and I think it went really well, but it was incredibly stressful. Mm. I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's the only one where i didn't have to be like okay so um like you should let me write this book because i've already written the whole fucking book <laughs> <laughs> um you can't say that so you have to like it's something that's already a done deal you know mm -hmm. it was it was just really weird and stressful and they're all just like stone-faced but then they'll say things at the end like we love this idea we can't wait to work with you like oh okay they're gonna make an offer like the whole time though you're just like i'm doing a terrible job mm. like these new yorkers they're so mean <laughs> just kidding they're all right wow yeah that so that was i mean i think it's a good it was a good day in the end but yes that is like my whole life has been sort of leading up to today and now it's done i'm like all right i did what i could now let's yeah. I'm so glad we're at the end of your day. We're right, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah it's the perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's um wow. I mean, that's wonderful. That's solid. It's a that's big day. Where did your love for writing come from? Your relationship with that? Well, so Rena, my great grandfather's Douglas Fairbanks. Died. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was gonna drop the name. <laughs> my grandfather started United Artists with Charlie Chan. No, um, it actually is a family thing. Uh, my mother was a sort of like I wouldn't say an amateur writer, but it wasn't her career either. Um, and her father is a musical theater writer, actor, director, um, who has just like written all these musicals. And uh, I have, like I said, I have no musical talent. So <laughs> I think I got like half of the gene from him, yeah. like the mm -hmm. writing side of it, but out. not the performing as a musical singer. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But, you know, he wasn't like a Broadway, I mean, he's still alive. He wasn't a Broadway, uh, you know, he didn't write hit musicals you've heard of. He's He, like, wrote regional theater that mm -hmm. was successful, you know. A musical still a musical. He built a career on it. Yeah. It's almost he built better. a career, yeah, but so. he didn't make it big. Mm -hmm. And your dad uh, did what for work? My dad was a teacher and he has no creative talent. He will tell you he doesn't read fiction. He doesn't like <laughs> but a teacher in what? have any creative bone in his body. <laughs> what subject matter? Math. Ah, <laughs> math. <laughs> the fucking opposite of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> Horror of mathematics. 
<laughs> people in mathematics would disagree with you with that. Yeah. There's tons of creativity in that. But um, let's debate math. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two plus two equals what? <laughs> Whatever you wanted to. Um, he reads magazines like Forbes and The Economist. <laughs> and, yeah. Good shit. These are solid choices. Nice. Two in there. Two more. <laughs> um, okay. So what age did you start writing consistently? And 11. What hmm. were you were journaling? No, I wrote a novel when I was 11 that when I was 14, it got accepted by a publisher <laughs> and, it, and it never came out. Um, and I'll tell you why is that it took so long for them to edit it and prepare it that Columbine happened oh. in the time and oh the God. book was a comedy novel about a school shooting. Oh, uh -huh. my God. And they were just like, nope. And they pulled a plug and then nobody wanted to touch it. And so it never came out. It's never come out. It'll never come out probably. But wow, wait, that's wild. That's an exclusive to Sessions with Mary Jane. They got their hands on a manuscript of your novel. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that. Yeah, you're the anarchist cookbook. Your novel is the anarchist cookbook. And now people are getting... Oh no, Brian! Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, it was that's, me. It was me all along. It wasn't Marilyn Manson. It was me. Wow! I knew it. I never bought that kind of like that. Sometimes unreleased novels are the best novels, though. So I'm, I'm it'll, it'll be an NFT one day. That's right. I want to read that. So sell, sell it for four ether. Talk about <laughs> okay. Talk about. Uh, I'll take it. Bad timing. Yeah, really bad timing. I mean, part of it, too, is that uh, it was a Colorado publisher. Wow. So they really wow. couldn't put it out. Even if it was, wow. like, a serious book wow. about it, it was just, like, the appearance of capitalizing in any way. Uh -huh. sure, and then certainly sure. laughing about a school shooting, not definitely good. not acceptable anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm so, sorry, what was going through your mind at 11 to age 14 that you were writing this thing yeah good question <laughs> um well there were school shootings before columbine it's just that yes, they were smaller yeah. scale and people mm -hmm. weren't really talking about them but mm -hmm. I, I two things happened one is that i read a story in time magazine about like a school shooter like in the doctor's office you know when i was mm -hmm. like 11 like 11 um and at the same time that year i discovered stephen king mm -hmm. and the first book i read was the bachman books which has a now banned story like it's, it's only stephen king story or book that you cannot buy new anymore um he like straight up removed it from publication it's out of print and it's about a school shooting and he worried that people were going to kill people like once he got famous he was like you know what this doesn't need to be out there anymore like this can it's not a great story and it can only right but right. yes later yeah. so he pulled it from the book um but i read it and was like i'm not gonna go kill anybody but i really think that there is a like a not necessarily a better story but another story that's sort of in a similar vein comic though mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of like a kid who gets caught up in his friend's plan 
to like blow yeah. up the school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was just like working with the FBI. Like he's not, not like a, a terrorist. He's not like helping this guy. He's right. actually like a informant the whole time, but it's very like snarky Holden Caulfield style. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, it's mm-hmm. not going to work at mm-hmm. all. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, that, so that was a, like a fictional piece that you had written, right? Yeah, yeah. So, how'd you make the jump? I've had no success with fiction. Like, uh, it's all been stories like that where I've been like close to getting a deal or something like that, and just like didn't happen. And the minute I came up with a pitch for a nonfiction book, it was like sold immediately. So. What is it? What is it? Do you think about the market that fiction is just harder to sell than nonfiction? Yeah, and I've been thinking about this a lot because, like, I'm a fiction writer. Like, I don't really want to do nonfiction for the rest of my life, but, uh, and I've got all these great ideas sitting around, but I feel like having pitched a lot of stuff and had it, like, almost get there, the vibe I'm getting with a lot of this is like, this is really great, but, you know, there's 3,000 other, you know, say murder mystery books or uh, comedy novels or uh, dramas about school shootings or whatever it is. And it's just with nonfiction, it's really easy to see like what's worth. Like you can look up on these like websites, books about country music. How do they do well? Like, did someone come up with this exact idea? Does it involve like these real people or not? And right away the publisher can go, you know, people are buying a lot of these country music books. We should put out a country music book. Hmm. And boom, they it's just like easier for them to figure out the profitability, I yeah. guess. Which is really depressing yeah. in a way to think about. But it also it like has helped me because the first book I like tweaked it knowing what would sell. And the second book, I'd already been through the process selling the first book and it worked. And I just like took my pitch for the first book and changed the names. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so, you know, I think it really, uh, yeah. it's just like helps to have like a system already there. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. What was it about like David Duke and uh, like that story that made, that got you interested in writing about it? Well, it's funny is because it started originally as a book about Edwin Edwards, who was David Duke's opponent in the 1991 Louisiana governor's race mm-hmm. in the race that, you know, gave the title America's Wildest Election. And I, for a couple of years, tried to figure out how a documentary about him would work. Like, this guy's out of the spotlight. He's not in office. He's not running for president. Who cares about Edwin Edwards? And then the Capitol riot happened. Hmm. And I suddenly connected David Duke back to Charlottesville, back to um, Trump, and then back to Pat Buchanan and George Bush in 92, and then 91 with David Duke. And it actually, there is a direct connection between all these people. Um, and then so the book became like, oh, well, this is really about David Duke. Um, but Edward Edwards is just such a great character. He's so funny and, and, uh, like was, you know, when he died last year, he was probably the last really great left leaning democratic politician. Like if you don't count Bill Clinton and that mm-hmm. like brilliant, like politician, but also like a really effective campaigner and like all these things that like Obama had people 
do this. Like mm-hmm. Obama was not like a, a genius strategist. It was his people that came up with these things, but Edwards did it all, you know? Um, so I just, you know, the Republicans always have these people. They have their Trumps and their Dukes and their like brilliant Karl Rove type people, but the Democrats don't have that famous name. And I'm like, it's Edwin Edwards. Edwin mm-hmm. Edwards is the one that we should like emulate if we want to win these elections. So it sort of all kind of came together as like, this is how Edwards won. And like, but in the end, the far right wins anyway, because we get Trump and we get Charlottesville and the Capitol riot. So I was sort of like pitched it as a warning, you know, what did you like Edward Edwards defeated this guy. What did he do that we haven't done in the 30 years since then? Mm. And that's sort of what the book is. You you have uh, dabbled in politics as well, right? You've worked on some campaigns, been around that stuff. What has your yep. experience been like uh, working in politics? Um, I worked for a lot of losers, and as soon as I stopped working in politics, those people all won. <laughs> it was probably me. <laughs> That's right, Fairbanks. Who's the loser now? Go back to art. Yep. Well, I like worked on the 2000 and 2004 campaigns and then I didn't work at all in 2008. Like I turned down a job work running a, a candidate I won't talk about that was wanted someone to run his office in Iowa where I'd never been. Um, and, uh, and he ended up like almost winning. Uh, so <laughs> I should have probably said yes. But Obama won that one. Um, And I'm glad because that was like the first time in a long time uh, a Democrat had won. Uh, So that was pretty good. Um, But yeah, like I I, like everybody that I worked with eventually won something, but not through anything I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I knew Bill de Blasio before he was mayor of New York. He was like the nicest city councilman in in New York. He was the only one who knew my name. (laughs) The only one who like, would just like people would be talking to him and be like, shut up. I'm talking to Brian. Come on. Like, Uh just like, shit. And then he ran and won. And I was like, See, like, <laughs> you only won because I had nothing to do with the campaign. So, um, you know, we won't talk about his mayoral ship, but um, <laughs> but you know, it was like things like that. I was like, oh, maybe I'm not actually really good at this or mm. whatever. So I just stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just want to jump back to the writing for a sec because. <clears throat> You've been writing for very, very long. But um, what about your moments where you hit a wall? Mm. What do you do? Um, what is, or, or, or have you not had those moments? But like, do you, <laughs> do, you, do you sometimes really just like, just hate it? Just hate the process of writing sometimes? Yeah, well, um, for me, the, the rewriting process is where I hit the wall mm. all the time. Because... I am really good at being an editor of other people's stuff like for because I have nothing to lose. Like I'm removed from the material. It has no like special purpose or I'm not trying to get something out of it. Yeah. Like when I write something, I'm like, I really want this to be funny or I really want <laughs> like this to be emotionally resonant. And when I'm reading it through, I go, I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> 
here on this page or this section, but I, I can't fix it. They're like, there is a fucking wall. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know. And that's probably why I haven't had a fiction published is that mm. I just am not a good editor of myself. And I think like Ray, I think it was Ray Bradbury who said that when you write a story, you should put it in a drawer for a year mm. and then go back to it and you'll have fresh eyes. Mm. Of course, Ray Bradbury was a fucking hugely successful millionaire <laughs> who could write an entire book and then throw it in the garbage after a year if he wanted to. Um, <laughs> have that luxury, right? Like, you know, I haven't had this yeah. yet. I can't take my time. This bestseller bores me. We go to Ryan's house and just have drawers full of things when he's revisited them a year and still nothing. <laughs> nothing's happened. Right. I mean, it, it, in a technological sense, yes, my computer is, you know, folders of yes. finished, yeah. quote unquote, finished books mm. uh, that are that are not finished because I've just edited them like 20 times. I'm like, I, I can't, I don't, I know what's wrong, but I cannot deal with this. Um, Who, is there a family so, member or a close friend that you give them to read, one of the first people to read your work? Um, it's usually been past girlfriends, but because they, cause like, you know, I'll live with them and they're like, well, I want to read this thing you've been obsessing over for like six months or whatever. Like, okay, fine. You can read it. And then, you know, they're not, not always creative people. And they certainly aren't like novelists. Um, I don't think I've ever dated like an actual novelist, um, which would be a smart thing to do, but I've just never done it. Um, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) going back to my, uh, my, uh, dating apps, changing what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, no, it it just, I, I feel like they've given me good feedback, but I really needed you know, you need like a teacher, you need a professor, a fellow mentor, novelist to really tell you what's structurally wrong with something or when there's like a character that's not working and how to fix it. Um, they may get a vibe, you know, it's like you give someone any book to read, they're going to be like, I really stopped reading around page 110. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. Like it just got uninteresting or you lost me. Like that's great feedback too. Um, but doesn't help me solve it. It tells me where the problem is. It doesn't tell me how to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So we're back to the same problem where I don't solve it. I know there's a problem, but I can't fix it. Did you have any English teachers throughout your whole school career that had a real influence on you as a writer? Yeah, I've had some amazing English teachers. I actually went to a high school that was like a magnet school. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like the fame high school, you know, where it's just performing arts. Uh, I did acting and writing, uh, for the second half of the day and did, you know, regular stuff in the morning, science and whatnot. Having a math teacher, dad, like you're just like, no, I don't want to deal with any of this math bullshit. <laughs> My son wants more math. Give him more math. <laughs> Get me to the film class, man. <laughs> you know, like we're watching The Seventh Seal or whatever. Yeah. You know, Brian, you should write a book about math. Maybe that's what you're missing. Uh, no, no, thank you. Someday. Uh, 
but yeah, my I had some great teachers uh, that turned me on to like the Beat Generation, Kurt Vonnegut, um, uh, random people like Joan Didion and and like SAS and uh, through through them, short story writers. Uh, but actually, one of my high school screenwriting teachers was at, at the time Seinfeld was really big. I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but <laughs> Seinfeld was the biggest show on TV, and it was the only show that my parents let me watch. So I loved that show, obviously. And my screenwriting teacher wrote the spec script for Martin. So that, you know, the Martin Lawrence show, uh, but it got bought by Larry David and it was turned into the episode where Lane, uh, Elaine doesn't know whether her boyfriend is black or white. <laughs> that was the pitch for Martin. He wrote this episode where uh, Tisha Campbell or whatever doesn't know if her boyfriend's black or white. Uh. So it got bought by Seinfeld. They changed it. So he had written that. He'd also written How Stella Got Her Groove Back and waiting to exhale. Um, and he was great. Um, but also like he had a Hollywood career and he's just like, no, you guys, I am not like grading your papers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just one of those things where it helped. He actually provided some great advice by doing that, which is that, you know, like sacrifice everything for your passion. Um, like lose your job, get fired. Like don't show up for work. If like you have a, you have a, an interview or you have an audition or whatever, like that, you're not going to remember that job. Fuck that shit. Like he was like this, this teaching job paid him less than like one script, you know? Mm. Uh, so why, why would you care about it? Mm. Um, and that actually was good. It was inspiring. <laughs> his like, his like, you know, teaching incompetence was actually really inspiring. <laughs> Why do you think he he still taught, even though like uh, he was selling scripts? I think two things happened. One is that he got really big after taking the job, and he had signed a contract, and and so he was like, uh, you know, I feel like a dick. But I'm not going to be there this week. I'm in L.A. I'm making this show or whatever. Mm. Um, and two, they didn't have anybody else. This mm. is in Hartford fucking Connecticut. <laughs> in the middle of, you know, like one of the most violent cities in America. It might have been the murder capital of the country at the time. Um, and, you know, he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not... I don't have anybody who can cover for me. You know, there's no like substitute teacher who can teach screenwriting. Right. <laughs> like, we could have taught the class better than anybody you could find, you know? So he just, he just didn't show up and he watch movies, which is what you do when you don't have <laughs> a teacher in yeah. other class. <laughs> so, yeah. But they were good, you know? What are, good what are you, some of your favorites? Like movies? some of my favorite movies. Yeah. All, all right. You ready? I'm going to list them all off Go. like, like their magazine titles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite movies are ready. I've always wanted someone to ask me this. I should have this all ready to go. Once upon a time in America, Pulp Fiction, mm -hmm. Blow Up, Annie Hall, Some Like It Hot, California Split, uh, Seven Beauties, and 
throw a random one out there. I don't know. Uh, the long goodbye. All right. All there right. That's like a top 10. Yeah. There you go. How long has that been your, like, your pretty solid group of favorite movies? Um, actually, I would say it wasn't until my late 20s that I saw about half of those movies. Mm. Um, Once Upon a Time in America and Pulp Fiction were always, like, right at the top from the moment I saw them when I was, like, I would say a kid, you know, like, maybe a teenager, but I don't think so. I was probably, like, 12 when I saw each of those. Um, and then the others, like, uh, you know, Robert Altman, I I, like two of those are Robert Altman movies. And I don't think I saw them until after he died. Mm. Um, so I'd been in my late twenties and there was like, I have seen center in New York playing every Robert Altman movie, which none of them are on DVD or streaming because they're like made for $10 with seven you know, people in it. Uh, and that's like, and it's like the only way you could see it is to go to that movie that day mm-hmm. in New York. And I, and I did, and I fell in love with it. And now it's like obviously available on more platforms, but, uh, Criterion. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some of those are on Criterion, but like, I want to, you know, there's, it's weird how many of them are like Robert Altman movies are not on there. I'm not sure why, but like, I can't even think of one. Uh, but um, yeah, which is really weird because he's, I would say, the best filmmaker that this country has ever produced. Well, you could make a case for Spielberg for sure, yeah. and I, you know, I wouldn't argue against it, but certainly underappreciated comparatively. Yeah. So, what is it about his movies that makes him like, like eligible for being the the top filmmaker? Um, well, I'm definitely a little biased because his style is so like appealing to me, you know, pull the camera way back. Um, the audio was all over the place. There's like 10 conversations happening in mash where you're just like at the third or fourth time I saw it, I was like, Oh, there was a joke there. I completely missed it. You know? Um, I love that. He just like, it's like anarchy, but also, uh, incredibly well acted <laughs> um he just was had a really good eye for like undiscovered actors like bud court and all these guys who came a lot elliot gould and donald sutherland he discovered them all in like one movie because he saw them mm. in some play he's like every one of these guys is gonna be in this movie and he's right <laughs> all of them they all became movie stars you know um yeah it's a lot of that but also it's like comedy sense is so unusual nobody else is as sarcastic but as like slop like deliberately sloppy and druggy Hmm. like it seems like everybody is stoned in his movies and he's Um, like you watch any of his movies now and just think marijuana (laughs) (laughs) do you think you can tell which directors are high uh in some movies like they're they're definitely high during this yeah well Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Definitely Robert. I mean, like, you know, Martin Scorsese is high, but on different drugs <laughs> and in different decades, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, the drugs in the 80s are starting to kick in. You know, mm-hmm. after Raging Bull, you see a lot of cocaine here, um, yes. which is great. Because <laughs> the movies are good. Yeah. Uh, and, but they're, they're, you know, you can see it, uh, I think. It is later work when he's not doing cocaine. 
Yeah, and then you can see in later work that it's like tighter. There's less scenes of people like screaming randomly. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. That's cool. <laughs> no, can't confirm. There definitely is screaming. <laughs> Yeah, like King of Comedy has like a very lot of like shrill, loud people in it, um, and cl- like Robert De Niro's clearly coked out the entire movie. Um, <laughs> but like Age of Innocence, I'm pretty sure Daniel Day Lewis is not on you know coke, and uh, yeah. yeah, people in The Departed probably are on coke, but not. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. What what kind of movies do you think that there are not of? Like a not a not sessions with Mary Jane. What kind of movies This director is on cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um what kind of movies are there not enough of? Yes, I did it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like anarchistic comedies. Like, I mean Think, uh, thinking back to like old school and like those Todd Hayes, uh, you know, the Todd movies are all fucking really, really tight. Um, even like after Borat, I want to say mm-hmm. like there's no, I outside of those, I don't feel like there's any movie that I just don't feel like the movie's even in control of itself, mm. which is always fun to wow. see. Is like those a lot of those Robert Alt movies mash. It's like there's no fucking plot. There's like there's, no, there's like twenty minute scenes of people playing football where nothing happens. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <But> you! <laughs> you could never do that anymore because everything has to be like old school and the Hangover, you know. Mm. Um, and a lot of like indie films, people like that get financed and funded are like emotionally powerful David Lowry stories, Mm. like ghost story, whatever, you know, those are, they're not like, no one's going to make an anarchistic comedy for like $5 million. (laughs) You know, it's too much money to lose. So they, it's either drama or Hollywood comedy. I think, I don't know. Yeah. I would love to see. Well, let's do it. Let's make a fucking movie, you guys. Make yeah. Movie. Well, it's got comedy of a school shooting. Yes, we yes. Have yes. Right. Right. We need a rich anarchist who's down with this idea. That's all we need. So if you're out there, rich anarchists, oh we're ready. We're ready to make your movie. For Wait, you. what we need to talk about, about Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was, what was the title of that book? You didn't say. Um, what did you title that had... book? <laughs> Well, you know, I had to put a title on it and like to send it out. And I was like, I don't know. It went through all these different titles. And I think the last title was The World's Own, which is not a good title. but And it's certainly not a comedy title, but I'm sure we would have come up with something Mm -hmm. eventually. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just sidebar. Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's so lame. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what's your lame title what's your favorite title of a book just like off the top of your head like what's that one like oh, the title like, the book could be ass garden but... and gun <laughs> yeah. that would be a good title yeah. uh, for a book but yeah, you're like what is this book gonna be about guns? I don't know this sounds fun as shit um yeah good titles I don't know like you know, the funny thing is books don't have good titles. <laughs> like something short that you can remember. It fits mm. on the cover, right? Like, I mean, 
yeah, they always expand them for the movies or whatever. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, uh, because of Win Dixie or whatever. You know, it's always <laughs> like it's always like ten more words or something. The Shawshank Redemption actually is shortened, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, infinite titles because it causes infinite hate from people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I think of bad titles, like Catcher in the Rye, I think is one of the worst titles for a book. It's a bad, unmemorable, boring-sounding title. Like, what is that about? It's about Brad? It definitely doesn't sound like a comic novel that we have to read in school and, like, it does not. as fuck. Yeah, right? it yeah. does not. Yeah. yeah, Catcher in the Rye. Oh, sounds just like something like the sound of music that, like, Julie Andrews yes. would be. Yeah. It's Catcher in the Rye. Like, something she would... Everybody has a different oh, category. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've had people. Leaving. 
like last last year someone had like 92 94 of something on their list so we're starting a fresh new it was year. bodybuilders they named 94 bodybuilders, bodybuilders. yeah whoa yeah. so that is had, just way too intense who's so far <laughs> the, the reigning champ what's the number uh right now lamar lee uh from uh Oh yeah, what is this yeah, number? yeah. Lemaire got like for like this year for for total forever. The, well, total from he's only on our show once. What yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone. I mean, someone named over a hundred strains of weed. I think it was like a hundred five oh, strains. Yeah, of but weed. that was last year. You're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Never mind. He was the reigning champ. But for yeah. this year so far, yeah, Lemaire got like thirty two breakfast cereals. So mm. yeah. So, wow. Once All right, that's that's crazy. insane. I I won't. I won't try to top that because we'll be here for days. <laughs> a magazine for every subject. Uh, I'm just waiting to get more than mail. If only I knew math magazines. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a magazine now. There's Martha Stewart Living. There's, you know, oh, whatever, the Oprah magazine. Everybody has their own magazine. Right. So you just have to think of famous people and like, do they have a magazine? They probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, every yeah. kind of music has like 10 magazines. There's Mojo, Rolling Stone. You know, there's like too many to keep up with. Um, but yeah, uh, there's one for every letter, probably. Uh, <laughs> The Yellow Pages, not really a magazine, but there's definitely a Y in there. I'm sure there's like some. <laughs> publication no um yeah no i could do it crap i don't know yeah the new republic there's there's one for every kind of political bent as well um so the national review i already talked about the economist so hopefully you got that one Mm -hmm. number three yeah yeah you know um oh speaking of i mean you have a newsletter there's carmack hot rod Oh wait, so what was that? What no, was you say that yes. again? What What did you list off? I don't know. Hot Rod Magazine, if it still exists. <laughs> it's a car magazine. Don't get any ideas, Rena. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like how do you spell hot? <laughs> hot Rod Magazine. Oh. Hot as in like Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, it's just, just a magazine of, of hot photos. It is, yeah, steaming, so. steaming metal rods. There's just a picture. Yes. I'm sure there is car and driver magazine. You know, come on. Um, but I, I was gonna say you have a, a newsletter. Yes. Or that, can, uh, you thank tell... you for promoting my newsletter. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. No, please. Before we before yeah. we close, of course we. But like, leave with um. Your information on the newsletter or anything else you have, you want people to keep a lookout for. How can uh, we stalk you? And yeah, how can we stalk you? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely stalk me on uh, social media and follow my newsletter. Uh, it's a Substack newsletter called The Grid. Um, I don't have the link in my head, but I'm sure it's searchable. So Definitely DM it to it us if you want. It yeah. will be That's in the right. bio, yeah. the bio cool. of this episode. And, you know, you can follow me on Twitter where I post it. It's a monthly newsletter. It's was started because I realized that I have all these writer friends and, you know, performer friends and people that don't have their own newsletter. And I've been told I should probably put a newsletter together if I'm going to write nonfiction books because your fans will start following your work and mm-hmm. look for updates and things like that um, somewhere off of social media. So I started the newsletter, but I was like, I can't 
keep this going right now. I'm too busy actually writing and I don't have anything to promote. So I had the idea that, you know, with all of my friends like me don't have their own newsletters, don't have their like a big promotional mouthpiece to promote anytime they have like a new single or they wrote an article for a magazine. Um, if we could all put this newsletter out to our friends, um, they would all sign up and then they would hear about it like, oh, Brian Fairbanks has a new book out and I know it because I'm on the grid's mailing list. Um, and so the idea is that everyone's supposed to submit their links, you know, when it, when they get published. Instead, what has happened is that all these people signed up and then my friends being stoner, writer, slackers, do not send this material. <laughs> they promote it. So it became the, like Brian Fairbanks mailing list. And I'm like, I don't have enough material for this. I am the one <laughs> who is like trying to get material from you guys to keep it going. So it has become actually a music-related mailing list because that's what I'm writing about right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, every month I put together a playlist of the – best song from every album I listen to. And I probably listen to like three or 400 albums a month wow. Um, wow. in their entirety and try to pick the best track, like hip hop, classical and everything in between. Um, you know, and people will send me like, Oh, you know, my band has an album out, but it, usually it's like um, people tell me that their favorite, like, Oh, I really love this you know, the single by someone I'd never heard of. I just like heard it randomly in a bar and it's a new release and they send it to me and it goes on the list. Um, so it's been really great to like get, turn people on to new artists that I have also like fell in love with, fallen in love with while like just sitting here writing and I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. Who is this? Um, and, uh, and spreading the good, the good vibes, man, the good tunes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when's yeah. the final number on his list? Right. Yeah, you, got a, you got a solid 14 magazines. <laughs> I can definitely come up with more than 14 magazines, but, you know, we'll stop there. It's yeah. good. Before, <laughs> uh, before we go, Brian, I was just curious, what color would you say your walls are? Like, how, what, if you Oh, know. yeah. So, this, ha- I bought this house just before the pandemic, and the idea was to repaint this cream orange like That's an orange like, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that That's what you yeah like, yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah i don't know man it's like an orange creamsicle color it's just in this room which is the living room by the way and the rest of the house does not look like this it's like <laughs> green or blue or white it's like normal like conservative colors let's put it that way <laughs> but i bought it from two artists who one was like a you know, a erotic photographer, shall we say? Wait, erotic oh, or erotic? Erotic um. and probably erotic too. But no, <laughs> erotic photographer. Like, um, men in um very sexual positions and close-ups of their nakedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And they're great photos. I mean, it just that it just wasn't. Uh, yeah, like they they're like very artistic and bohemian i would say they had like an old van that you would totally picture when you watch the chris farley sketch you know <laughs> so but they were like like a really 
surprised people that painted their walls a really weird color because they were unusual guys you know they're they're not like we're just gonna make everything normal around here i mean they have a hidden mirror room in the shed it is so if you go into my shed there is a wall that looks like the end of the shed and you would never know that there's something else behind the wall. There's no door handle. There's no door. There's no window. There's no indication that there's something else there. But if you put your two hands on a special part of the wall and pull it toward you, it pulls in as a secret door. And you go in, and the floor is black, but the ceiling and all the walls are covered in mirrors. Wow. (laughs) And it's really uh, creepy. Um, I'm sure people were ritually murdered in it. No. Um, I just want to shoot something there. We need to keep that yeah. location in mind. <laughs> yes. Come on down. Let's do something weird. Um, I'm actually going to make my next TikTok video about it, which I will uh, share with everyone. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. Like I've had like friends come over and smoke in there. And it's just like, okay, this is very claustrophobic after 10 minutes. You know, but then... They're like they like tell everybody that they go back to the party and they're like you gotta go in there it's amazing <laughs> it's like a it's like a um, wet lodge you know like where you're like in there and you're like meditating kind of Zen. but also Zen. you're looking at yourself repeated like three hundred times <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta reflect when you're in there you're on everything really gotta reflect. yeah oh man so, well uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. This was such Thank a you guys for doing this. Thanks yeah. for having me. Uh, and for the folks at home, we're going to do a quick plug. We dropped our third film. It's coming in. It's in the festival circuit, 100 Words. It's coming. It's You'll see it when it's released. And all, <laughs> I'm just telling you because we're starting to post it on social media. Um, so just fluffing it up. And as usual, listen to our podcast. Everybody have a great rest of your life. Oh.